Bible tonight, if you would, turn with me to Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. If you're able to tonight, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter number 3. Just three verses for our text tonight. <coughs> and uh, let's do this tonight. Let's read these three verses together, all right? Okay, everybody have your place here. Philippians chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 1. Here we go. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Some great words of wisdom tonight. And uh, you know, the, the, the one thing I love about the Bible is, is that, first of all, it's God's Word. And second of all, that God allowed over 40 different writers, they weren't the author, the author is the Holy Spirit of God, but they were 40 different writers and they wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but God allowed their personalities to come through in their writings. And you can see here that the Apostle Paul, the great soldier of Jesus Christ, is just encouraging us tonight. And I think there's some great words of wisdom here, and I think all of us can learn something tonight. So let's pray and we'll begin our study. Lord, thank you for the Word of God. Pray that you'd bless uh, our lives, Lord, in spite of who we are. Many times you have taught us, as you did your children, in the Word of God in the Old Testament and the New Many times we learn those lessons and then we forget them. By your spirit and by your word, you teach us those lessons again and again and again. Because many times we don't get it the first time. But repetition is the key to learning. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight to settle some things in our heart and to be aware of some things that we need to be aware of in the days that we live in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Thank you for standing. <clears throat> you know, if you look at the passage tonight, uh, you notice that the first word in chapter 3, and there's just four chapters in this small book or letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, you see it beginning here in chapter 3 with the word finally. He's coming towards the end of what he is sharing with these Bible-believing Christians, this church, the believers in Philippi, that God's allowed it to be preserved in His Word to our generation. And He begins this new section here in Philippians chapter number 3, and He begins with, Finally, my brethren. Now, we looked this morning in our message this morning that uh, there was a situation with a woman that had a daughter that was possessed. And uh, again, it was a situation she was desperate. But you remember that in that passage, the word dogs was mentioned. And uh, you notice again tonight that the word dog is in this passage. Now, I didn't do that. The Lord led me to the passage I went to this morning. We're just going through the study of the book of Philippians. It just so happened it happened that way tonight. God makes no mistakes. But remember that I showed you the distinction of how the Jews looked down on Gentiles. And the word that they used was dogs. 
But that's not what Jesus called that woman in our passage this morning in Matthew 15. As a matter of fact, it was a term of endearment. Tonight, we look at that other term, that filthy, unclean animal that was described earlier in the passage this morning. And Paul introduces this new segment of his epistle with this concern. How many of you feel comfortable when you go up to somebody's house and you see a beautiful lawn, you see some plants, you see a house that looks like it's well kept, and you're about to get to the front door and you see a little bitty sign that says, beware of dogs or beware of the dog. And, and you're like, okay. Now, a lot of times in my mind, I think it's one of those little foo-foo dogs, you know? The ones that look like if you put a handle on it, it'd be a mop, right? And I went up to a house. I kind of had that on my mind as I was going up to this door, and the sign was there. You know, and I figured, hey, listen, I'm okay. I've been bit before. Probably just a small little dog. I've kind of learned from time to time that even though I don't stand real close, that if I hear a dog come to the door. I always stand close enough that if that dog wants to charge through that door, I can put my foot up like that and catch that door because what dogs do is they just try to bolt through the door, and if I put my foot up, the door won't open all the way, and the dog can't get all the way out. That's just a little trick I've learned. You might want to try that sometime. But I was, I was standing there at this door, and I saw the sign, and I just kind of ignored it. And uh, all of a sudden, I heard the door start to open, and I heard a dog. I just stood there, feeling confident that whoever this owner is, that they can handle and control their dog. But I was wrong. The door began to open, and the screen door wasn't all the way closed. And as I was standing there, about two, three feet from the door, a German shepherd that probably stood about this tall to my waist, charged through the door and came straight out and didn't stop when it got to me. Ran smack into me with its mouth wide open. I was just glad that I was tough enough that he couldn't bite into the steel, you know. (laughs) But when it happened, I just kind of, part of me was there was a little fear there. But part of it was, I've just learned that if an animal comes at you like that, don't move, don't run. They sense fear. I just stood there. And the man immediately felt bad, come out on the porch, got his dog, kind of wrangled it a little bit, and got it back in the house. And he goes, I'm so sorry. And I said, no problem. I said, "Uh, are you a police officer? He said, matter of fact, I am. I began to talk to him a little bit. And the truth was... Dog really didn't bother me other than when his teeth were right up against me. But you know, Paul is writing here saying, look, you're living in a time, and by the way, we are too, we've got to be aware of the dogs. We've got to be aware of people that are trying to teach and propagate things that are not truth according to the Word of God. Now, it's interesting, before he gets to that, look what he says, rejoice in the Lord. See, he begins with this good news, this this motivation that, look, no matter what happens, 
no matter who is up against you, that, listen, folks, I don't rejoice in myself, I don't rejoice in this world that I live in, but I do find joy in the Lord. That's where my joy lies, and guess what? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. And if God never changes, the joy that I have in Him, it's never going to wane. It's always going to be there because God is constant. Look, He's the one thing that I can rely on in this world. People let me down, and, and I let people down, but the Lord never lets me down. My joy is in the Lord. Paul introduces this concern about an issue that had, listen, yes, been plaguing him. I mean, there were times in the Word of God where people would follow the Apostle Paul and they would begin to say things to him while he was preaching. Uh, if you were out at our men's camp out, well, I'm going to tell you, we had a great time, but the devil was fighting while we were out there. We were out there, one of the services, first night, we're out there and we're right in the middle of the message. And one of the park rangers pulls right into our campsite, pulls all the way up to next to the tent that we're under holding our service. He's got his two amber lights flashing on top of his truck. He's got his window down. And I mean, we're right in the middle of the message. And he goes, hey, how y'all doing? Everybody okay? You need anything? And we're like, yeah, we're, we're doing all right. Just right in the middle of something here, but appreciate you checking on us. I mean, that whole day till 9 o'clock that night, all the way through the preaching, you could hear over at the gun range, pop, 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 pop. I mean, they were just going, I don't know how many bullets were shot that day, but I mean, all day long, they were shooting guns at the range. The next day, they were shooting. The, the Friday night, while the, while the preacher was preaching, there were two motorcycles. I mean, I don't know how long the road is in that park. But the, the road probably is somewhere close to a half a mile long. Two motorcycles could have been anywhere in the park, but they were right there on a little section right by where we were having our campsite, and they were going up and down the road in this little bitty stretch. And I'm not kidding you, that was probably at least 12 times, if not more, they're riding their motorcycles right past us, right past us. And the preacher finally said, hey, listen, we're okay. We know they're riding motorcycles. We just need to focus on what God is saying to us. That look, anytime we, we are around the things of God, we open up the word of God, we try to be involved in the work of God, there are always going to be someone that is trying to oppose the work of God. And Paul says, look, I understand that there, are, there is this, this group of people that have been plaguing us. And when I say us, I'm talking about Paul and the work of God, which is the church that Paul had been involved in, especially in the context of the church in Philippi. He's saying, look, I understand there are these false teachers. And who is he referring to? He's talking about Judaizers. Now, if you're not familiar, a Judaizer, if plain and simple, is this. It's people that actually believe that, there was, that, that, that grace and works is what it takes to be saved. Now, we know that that's not true. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. We don't have to add anything to salvation. The Lord's already provided salvation for us. It's the free gift of God. It costs God's son his life. But understand that there are still people and there are still religious systems in the world today that still say that what Jesus did is not enough. You have to live a certain way. You have to pay a certain amount. You have to do this. You have to do that. And listen, 
all of that goes against the clear teachings of the Word of God. We need to see this. Paul was trying to help these in Philippi, saying, look, they are saying that there has to be, yes, grace, but along with that, there has to be human effort. These false teachers, they were, here's what they were doing. They were coming into a church, just like our church, and can you imagine, and this happens around our country even, where people come into churches that want to not only believe false things, but they want to go around and teach it to other people. That's exactly what Paul's describing here, how that Paul was, was seeing these people come in, teaching a works-based salvation, and when they come in and do that, what are they doing? They're undermining the teachings of the Word of God. They were discouraging some of the Gentile believers that had been saved in Paul's day, and they were trying to get them to conform to some of these false teachings. By the way, what I'm saying to you right now, the one thing that will help you is to be in and know the Word of God. The Bible says rightly dividing the Word of God that we need to be discerning Christians. Now, I'm not saying that you have to critique everything, but I'm saying that if something is said, even in one of our services, and you're looking in your Bible and you're like, wait a minute, I don't see that in the Word of God. With the right spirit, the right attitude, you ought to search the Scriptures daily to see if those things are so. And if you have a question about it, look, my door's always open. You can come to me and say, hey, listen, Pastor, you were preaching on such and such, and you said this, and I really don't understand that. Hey, I'd love to open up the Word of God. And by the way, I'm not always right. But I'd like to, to, to open up the Word of God and say, look, let's go through that. That's, that's a great thought. Miss Mickey, a lot of times, she'll email me. A lot of times, she's like me, about 5 in the morning, Miss Mickey will email me. And some of the stuff she'll ask me, I'm like, man, I know Bible college students that don't ask questions like Miss Mickey. But you know what that shows me? She's reading her Bible. She's thinking about, hey, what about this? What about this word? What does that really mean? I don't really understand that. Hey, folks, look, we have to understand that there are people out there that are trying to get other people to believe that what Jesus did is not enough. And what we need to be reminded of tonight is this, that Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. You know, there's nothing you and I can do to add to what Jesus did. So here's what Paul does, these first three verses. When he begins this last section in Philippians chapter 3, he gives us three important truths that he shared with the Philippians, but he also helps us understand the relationship of this matter of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how we can rejoice not only in the Lord, but in the truth. We can rejoice in the truth. I'm glad that whenever, when I got, when I was a child growing up and I was a part of a religious system, I never put it into words, but it was difficult for me whenever I heard something, but what I was being taught, I couldn't find it in the Bible. And I'm glad when God saved me and delivered me from that, that when I became a part of what I consider true Bible Christianity, that when somebody asks me something, why do you do this? And why do we do it this way? That I can open up the word of God and show them from the pages of the scriptures. Thus saith the Lord. And that's, look, that brings great comfort to my heart. Because look, I don't have to win an argument. All I have to do is share God's word. And I want you to see tonight, look at this. Paul had, first of all, a cause for rejoicing. 
He had a cause for rejoicing. Look at verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. He says to write the same things. It wasn't something new. Paul says, what I've told you before, he says, I'm just going to say it again, repetition. He says, I, I don't have a new gospel. I don't have some newfangled way. There's all these people today that are looking for some new fantastic way to do things. Hey, we just need to stay to God's way, do things God's way, and understand God has promised to bless it. Folks, if, it, if it's not broken, then why try something new? The gospel still works. Jesus still saves. And he says, to write the same things unto you, to me, look, he says, it's not grievous, it's not, this isn't something difficult, I don't mind reminding you again, I don't mind having to share this over and over again, and look at this, but he says, but for you, it's safe. See, it's good that I remind you of this. Uh, there were times growing up as a kid, my mom had to tell me something over and over again. My dad would always say to me, are you listening to me, boy? That's what he would say to me a lot of times, because he could tell that I wasn't listening. But Paul says there's a, a, a cause here for rejoicing. Notice, he, we see first of all a repeated thanks. Paul has said here, rejoice in the Lord, and we find that to be the reoccurring theme through the book of Philippians. He had already used the word rejoice seven times in the first two chapters. Hey, it's just four little chapters in this small letter or book in our Bible, but he's already used the word seven times. Paul was a man that had joy, but he was also a man that was a man of rejoicing. He desired the same thing for the Philippians. You know, folks, listen, I see sometimes on Sunday this morning, I saw some people with some heavy looks on their face this morning. Now, maybe it was because they forgot it was Mother's Day and they didn't get a present for mom. I don't know what it was, but I know this, and I'm not kidding tonight. I know a lot of people carry a lot of burdens. And I can't, you know, honestly, I, I can't give a person joy. But what I can do is try to lift their spirits in the Lord. Try to help them to rejoice in the Lord. And it's so important. Spurgeon said, when the heart is full of joy, it always allows its joy to escape. It's like the fountain in the marketplace. Whenever it is full, it runs away in streams. And so soon as it ceases to overflow, you may be quite sure that it has ceased to be full. The only full heart is the overflowing heart. Boy, the, the joy of the Lord ought to just ooze out of you. You know, be full of the joy of the Lord. What Paul does when he, look, look at the, he says rejoice in the Lord. He didn't just say rejoice. Now, we see this phrase here, in the Lord. What, what is Paul doing? He's connecting, listen now, he's connecting rejoicing to a relationship. Rejoice in the Lord. See, there's this matter of rejoicing. We can rejoice in many, many things, you know. Maybe your favorite team won or something, and you're, you're glad about it. But Paul says, look, it's the, the most important thing is that you have a right relationship with the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. There was a constant Re repeated thanks in Paul's life. And the reason that we should rejoice is because of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. So there was a repeated thanks, but notice here that he also had a love of the truth. I mean, Paul loved the truth of the word of God. And he says here, it's safe for you that I write these things unto you. He was saying that their safety depended on the fact 
that they not only heard what he was saying, but they would act upon it. That's why God says, don't just be a hearer of the word. A lot of people come to church, look here, they hear it, it goes in this ear and comes out this one. But if it goes in this ear and goes down to your heart, it will cause you to act upon it. You know, I, I know this, that when we went to the men and boys camp out, God spoke to my heart. God shared things to me through the Word of God. You might find this strange to, to hear, but preachers need preaching. That's why I'm so adamant about at our church that people aren't wandering around in the hallways and that people are not just off doing whatever they want to do. That Listen, when we come to church, we come to hear from God. Now, there are times to fellowship. There's times uh, uh, to be social. I love our church. I mean, listen, many times people always say to me, Pastor, uh, can you just preach like 15 minutes tonight? And, and I might preach a, a short message, and about an hour and a half later, people are still standing in the foyer talking. I'm thinking, I could have preached for an hour tonight. They're going to hang around that long. Folks, there's nothing wrong with that, but we need to hear from the Lord. Paul was a man that loved the truth, and the word save, here's what it means. It's the opposite of fail. Now, what he meant by that is this, that unlike the false prophets of the day that Paul was warning them about, the false prophets, they could not withstand. If somebody began to check what they were saying with the word of God, it didn't line up. You see, they began to look at it, and Paul was telling the Philippians that they could rely on his doctrine. You know why? Because Paul's doctrine was from the Word of God. It's important that we see this. Paul was a man of truth. He loved the truth. He loved to tell people the truth. And what he's saying here is that truth is a safeguard for Christians. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell us. The truth frees us from deception and lies. Look at John 8, verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, look what he says to them. He's talking to Jews. He says, if ye continue in my word, he says, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now the whole key was... That if you continue in my word, not, not if you try to conform to a set of rules and regulations. He said, if you continue in my word, that's what we need to do. Because the truth frees us from deception and lies. The truth also lines us up with how the Holy Spirit can lead us. The Holy Spirit can guide us. Jesus said in John 16, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into how much truth? All truth. Look, folks, if you're saved tonight, how many of you know Christ is your Savior? If you're saved according to the Scriptures, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. And the Holy Spirit of God will guide you into all truth. The Bible says, He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Paul says, look, I'm going to tell you, I am thankful for you. And he says, I don't have a problem reminding you and repeating what I've said to you before because it's safe for you. And he's saying, look, what you need to do is 
anchor your lives on the truth of the Word of God. Don't listen to what other people are saying. Always come back to the Word of God. The truth is the foundation for our sanctification, that once we are saved, it is a truth that helps us stay on the right path. The Bible says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. That's what we need today. By the way, that's what this world we live in needs today is they need the truth. And so as Paul starts here, he says, look, let me just tell you, as I begin this last section in this letter to you, there's a cause for rejoicing. And you know what that cause is? Is the Lord and the truth that God gives to us. You ought to be thankful for your Bible. You ought to be thankful that God has shown you the truth. How many of you are glad that God delivered you out of dead religion? Yes. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad that we have the truth of the Word of God. But notice as Paul begins with, hey, there's a cause for rejoicing. Then he says, listen, but I have a concern for the church. Here's a man that loves Christians. He loved the work of God. And the Bible says, look in verse number 2, he says, In verse number 2 of chapter 3, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the the concision. Now notice three times the word beware. Paul says beware. In other words, you need to see what's going on around you in your mind's eye. You need to discern mentally. Don't walk around with your your head stuck in the sand. Be aware there are some out there. And and the wording that he uses here when he says beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, the verb that he uses here, beware, interesting word. Because all three times it's used, it's used in the present tense and it's used in the imperative mood. Now some of you are like, listen, I didn't do well in English. Guess what? When I was younger, I didn't either. But let me give you an idea of of what God is saying. Because again, look, folks, I'm not reading into the Word of God. I'm looking at what God has said to us. When something is in the present tense, here's what it is. It's a continual, ongoing, continuous action. Everybody with me? Present tense is something that is present, ongoing, continual And the word imperative, imperative mood, does anybody know what something that is imperative is? Anybody? Any military people? It's a command. Okay, so watch this. God, not Paul, is giving a command to his people that they need to be aware of what's going on around them. They need to be aware. It says here that God is commanding them through Paul to be constantly watching out for false teachers. You say, in our church? Well, I hope not. But the truth is, from time to time, yes. Now, you may not even be aware of it because pastor, a lot of times, don't, doesn't say anything because it's one of the responsibilities that God has given to me. But look, every one of us also need to understand that there are those out there that are spreading false doctrine in this world that we live in. For instance, do you see the difference between a Bible-believing Christian and a Jehovah's Witness? Now, I mean, how bad can they be with a name like Jehovah's Witness? Church of the Latter-day Saints. 
How bad can they be? They're saints. I mean, folks, we have, we have to be mentally and spiritually discerning when it comes to this. Paul says, look, I've got a concern here. And he says, God is commanding you to be constantly watching out, uh, defending the truth. Look, one thing I love about Paul, Paul didn't mince words. Paul didn't beat around the bush. Now, some people are like that. That may be the way you are, but Paul just, I mean, he just, he just grabbed the bull by the horns, and when it came to exposing false doctrine and, and exposing false teachers, listen, he was warning these Christians, you better be careful. They're out there. And listen, if we're not careful, here's what will happen is, we'll start to listen to it. Before long, we'll start to believe it. If you think I'm wrong, I can give you name after name after name tonight of young people like Lauren and others that have gone to a Bible college, that went to that college from a church just like ours, that believe what you believe tonight, but have sat down at a computer and allowed themselves to be infiltrated in their mind and making it to their heart about things like Calvinism. A damnable heresy. Things that will send people to a Christless eternity. Now some of you tonight might be thinking, Pastor, listen, you're a little overboard tonight. You're a little over the top. Hey, listen, I'm just getting started. I mean, we have got to understand that there is an adversary tonight. He's not our friend. And he wants everything to do to destroy the church of the living God. And he's going to do everything that he can. And tonight, just like Paul, I have a concern for the church. And we need to defend the truth. We need to expose false doctrine. Vance Havner said, the early Christians condemned false doctrine in a way that sounds almost unchristian today. I mean, there was a time where they would stand up and they would thunder and they would call people out. Hey, you check the Bible. The Bible says to mark them which cause divisions among you. There are times, and by the way, I'm not saying that I want to go around picking fights and do this and do that, but again, we've got to be aware of what's going on. Look at what he's describing here. He mentions three times. First of all, he was concerned about unclean wolves. The Bible says again in verse number two, beware of dogs. See, in the Old Testament times in the Bible, Dogs were like wolves. They were like scavengers. They roamed around in packs. You know what they ate? Garbage. They ate dead animals. They ate just about anything that they could. I don't mean to gross you out tonight, but they would throw up and they would eat that too. They, that's just the way they were. And the word dog here describes the character of the type of a person who is a false teacher who is wanting nothing more than to disrupt and break up churches that the Lord has established. Look at Acts 20, 29 in your notes. Here's what Paul says at the end of his days in ministry. For I know this. Look at that. He says, I, I don't think I know. I, I don't think it might. He says, I know. You know what that sound, sounds like to me? Paul had encountered some wolves in his day. Paul had come across some of these dogs. They were trying to destroy the work of God. And he says, I know this, that after my departing, Paul says, I'm not going to be there. 
I won't be able to do anything about it, but guess what I'm doing? I'm warning you. I'm trying to help you understand. I've experienced it in my life and in my ministry. They've come after the work of God in my day. And he says, when I am gone, he says, grievous wolves shall enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Just picking them off one by one. Sheep are defenseless. Think about it. The only thing they can do is bite. They have no defense mechanism whatsoever. Isn't it interesting how God in his word likens us to sheep? And you know, sheep are one of the dumbest animals out there. They really are. And there are many times where as Christians, I see people do things and I think to myself, no, don't, don't do that. But there are wolves out there that are, that are not sparing the flock. And look, just like the Apostle Paul, you know what Peter did in his day? Peter, too, warned the church about these false teachers. Look what it says in your notes. There were false prophets, Peter writes, also, look at among the people. Even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. In verse 22, he says, while they promise liberty, he says, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought in bondage, but it is, it is happened unto them also, look at according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed is now wallowing in the mire. Look, there, every farmer will tell you, you don't wash the pig unless you're going to take it to market. Because as soon as you wash it, it's going to go right back to the mud hole. And that's exactly what Peter was describing here is, look, Paul may have used in his day the term dog, but it was in reference to false teachers, these, these Judaizers that were plaguing the churches in the ministry that God had given to him. They were saying, look, yes, grace, but there has to be works that go along with it. Albert Barnes, he described the Judaizers of, of, of Paul's day, and here's what he said. They were contentious. They were troublesome dissatisfied, they would produce disturbance. Barnes went on to say that the strong language that the Apostle Paul uses here shows the sense which Paul is, is trying to help them understand the danger that comes from the influence of these unclean wolves. And so what do we see here? We see he had a concern about the church because of the unclean wolves, but notice he also had a concern about the evil workers. Go back to verse 2 again. He says, secondly, beware of evil workers. These were false teachers. And listen, sometimes people think that they are doing good and that they are what they're doing. They're benefiting their hearers by what they are doing. But in reality, evil workers are doing what they're doing. Why? Because they oppose the truth. They don't believe the truth. They don't stand for the truth. They opposed the truth, and Paul was warning even those in Corinth, in, in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, he was telling them that, that there were these workers in that day, and he says he was making it clear that they were workers of Satan. Look at the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11, for such are false apostles, false. He says they're deceitful workers. 
transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. You say, is that possible? Even Satan himself, we saw this morning, transfer, transformed himself into an angel of light. The Bible says they transformed themselves into the apostles of Christ. Listen, they were pulling the wool over people's eyes. Well, these people are the apostles of Christ. No, they're not. According to what Paul's writing, they're false apostles. And we see here that he says it's no great thing if his ministers also transform as the ministers of righteousness whose ends, look at this, shall be according to their what? According to their works. So it's not about God working in someone's life. Paul says, look, there are many evil workers out there. He says, you have to understand that there are dogs out there. And there are evil workers. But notice his third concern was about false worshipers. Here he uses, look in, in chapter 2, or verse 2 again. He says, beware of the concision. Now, when he uses that word, he is using that word of these Jews that are trying to draw others away, these Judaizers. He says they're trying to draw these Christians away from the liberty that they have in Christ. And listen, anytime we leave the Lord, guess what we're doing? We're heading for a life of bondage. Our liberty is in Christ. Lord has set us free. And so how do they do that? They do that through their rituals. They do that through their practices of their day. Look in Galatians 5 and verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty that Christ hath made made us free and be not entangled look at the word again see we came out of that why do you want to go back to that paul says look don't don't find yourself being entangled look if it was that good why did you leave it he says don't go back to that he says behold i paul say unto you that if ye be circumcised christ shall profit you nothing for i testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Paul was concerned. Why? Because here is the church, the people of God, and he says, look, there's a cause to rejoice, but we also have to see that we need to be concerned about the adversary and how they're working against the work of God. Notice thirdly tonight, the third truth that Paul gives us is this. Paul did, however, have a confidence, and his confidence was in Christ. Look at verse 3 of chapter 3. It says, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. And he says, and we have no confidence in what? In the flesh. You know why? Because the flesh is weak. How many times we give in to the flesh? Paul says, I'm not going to place my confidence in my flesh. He says, I'm going to put my confidence where it ought to be, and that's in the Lord. So notice here he says, we are the circumcision. You know what he's using that word for? He says we are the true believers. We have liberty in Christ. We are not saved by ritualism. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And look, truly circumcised people are the Christians who have been circumcised of the heart, a heart of unbelief. Look in Colossians 2, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision notice the words not made with or excuse me made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead 
and hath quickened, look at this, uh, you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. You ought to underline that in your Bible right there. Because a lot of times people say, well, how much will he forgive us? Well, he says, forgiven you all trespasses, and let's continue. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, and what did he do to it? He nailed it to his cross. He nailed it to his cross. Kind of reminds me of what Luther did when he took those 95 grievances against the Catholic Church, Brother Flynn, and he went to the church in Wittenberg, Germany, and he nailed those grievances to the door of the church. Hey, listen, you know what he was saying? Jesus has taken my sins, and he's nailed it to the cross. He says, listen, I'm not putting my confidence in some false religion. He says, I have a reason to rejoice because of Jesus. That's what he's saying. Hey, look at Paul had a confidence in a true faith. A true faith is something from the heart. Look, true worship, folks, is not found in a geographical location. It is worshiping God from the heart. You can worship God anywhere and everywhere if you do it from the heart. The Bible says the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers. Do you see what the Bible says? When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. True faith is worship God from the heart. Our worship is to be spirit-guided. And notice that a true faith is also something that is toward Christ. As we worship, look, we don't worship man. We worship the Lord. Everything we do is directed, just like even this morning when we heard a song that was sung. Hey, listen, it's all right to be excited about a song. The Holy Spirit might get us excited because God might work through that song. And what music does is it prepares the heart for the worship of God through the Word of God. Listen, we ought never to applaud man. We ought to always say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. You see, we find here that Paul... And we too need to have a confidence, a true faith in Jesus Christ. True worship is not focused on our actions, it's focused on Jesus. And I see that Paul had a true faith, but notice he had confidence in a trusting faith. I mean, look look what it says in, chat, in verse number 3 again. He says in the last part of that, he says, Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. You know, the, the Christian faith, it's a reliance upon God's power and the Holy Spirit of God. It's not in our own fleshly efforts. Boy, we, we miserably fail every day, don't, don't we? It's not in the arm of the flesh. Not by might, nor by, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. We need to understand that, that the spirit is the one, as it says in John 6, 63, that quickeneth. It's God's spirit that, that brings us to life and the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, the words of God, they are spirit and the words of God, they're life. That's why we need God's word in our lives. The word of God will help us. Psalm 28, verse 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. 
Therefore my heart greatly rejoiced. With my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Look folks, we need to understand tonight that we need to have a confidence in the Lord, a true faith. But we need to have a trusting faith. And when these false teachers come along, look here. We just need to say, no, thank you. I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm not trusting in what you say. I'm not trusting in my flesh. I'm not going to believe something you're saying that's contrary to the word of God. I'm going to keep my freedom, my liberty in Jesus Christ. Look, what false teachers do is they lead people into the bondage of the flesh. And God, listen, God has power available to release us from that. Jesus did not die for us so that we could go on and live in the flesh and live by a, a life of sin. Jesus died that we might live in the power of his spirit. That's why he died. See, to rejoice in the truth, we have to be willing to do some things. Are you listening tonight? If you're going to rejoice in the Lord, you have to be willing that when the time comes, and by the way, it will, you have to be willing to confront false teaching. You have to be willing to confront false teachers. You have to be willing to worship Christ, listen, in the spirit and in truth. Folks, the truth is what we need. Paul's saying here tonight, just three short verses. Look, he says, we have a cause to rejoice. And in the fact that while I'm rejoicing in the Lord, I have a deep concern. I haven't been in the ministry a long time, but folks, I'm going to tell you something. Every day I live and I'm in the ministry, I see things happening. And this is, I told the men, I said, look, God brought me here. The way I look at it is, this is the watch that God put me in charge of. And I have a concern about you and about this church and about the work of God. But while I have a concern, listen, my confidence is not in what I can do, it's in what God can do. And our confidence needs to be, we need to make sure it's placed where it should be, and that is in the Lord. Let's bow our heads tonight with our heads bowed. God's preserved these things in his word as we saw tonight. And can I tell you as we began the study tonight, that repetition really is the key to learning. Sometimes I think we live and we watch TV, we see all these, these awful things going on in the world. But folks, if you notice from the writing of the Word of God tonight, that the focus was not on the world, it was what's happening in the church. False teachers coming in. People bringing untruths, things that would send a person to hell instead of to heaven. I hope that concerns you. I hope you're concerned enough that if, it, if it's something that God by his Holy Spirit shows you, that you would do something, that you would confront them, you would confront that teaching. You say, Pastor, how do I know that it's something that is not right if you're discerning? And I can already tell you this, that as you all raised your hands tonight, you're saved. And there is one called the Holy Spirit of God who will guide you into all truth. If something's not right, the Holy Spirit will show you. 
But the question is, if he shows it to you, what will you do about it? Repetition. Paul says, it's not grievous for me to say the same things to you. But he says, I'll tell you what it is. It's safe. And that's what I want tonight for our church, is that it would be a haven, not only for the saints of God, but for folks that don't know Christ, to come and not hear some untruths, but to come and hear the truth. Because the truth is what's going to set them free. Lord, thank you for this evening. Pray that you bless the invitation. As the piano begins to play, Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, as you have spoken to hearts, that we would respond to whatever it is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.